Welcome to the Horror Writers Podcast. Join Jay Thorne and Richard Brown as they discuss writing and publishing horror using strategies that work for all genres. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Horror Writers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jay Thorne, with the other co-host, Richard Brown. Say hello, the Richard. Host. I'm the host now. <laughs> He's the host <laughs> with the most. Uh, today we have a, a guest on our show. Those of you uh, will certainly recognize this person. We have uh, J.F. Penn on the, on the show. How you doing? Hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is, this is pretty exciting. Uh, we've had some conversations in the past and uh, given sort of the the entrepreneurial mindset you have and, and some of the innovations you've brought to the table as an indie author, we thought it'd be great to have you on the show and, and talk about some of that stuff. Yeah, cool. Although I th- uh, you invited J.F. Penn, who is a different character to the creative fan, so <laughs> 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 I may descend into my kind of gothic mode, um, you know, but no, good. Well, it's we, great to be here. <laughs> should we call you JF or Joanna? What would you prefer? <laughs> Joanna's fine. It's not a secret. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we weren't yeah. sure which one we were going to get. I just put more goth makeup on, you know, it's oh. got my, my lighting. Right. <laughs> okay. You, if, yeah, if you want to turn the lights down or something or, you know, break out some blood and splatter it on the wall, we'll wait for yeah, you. Unfortunately, Thanks. I don't. I only have tea, not red wine. Maybe next okay. time. All right. hey, we we got we actually have James Thorne tonight instead of Jay Thorne too, so that's that's nice. Oh, it's very confusing for people. <laughs> yeah, they'll figure it out. <laughs> so uh, I should be Rich you, Brown. Yeah, you should be Rich Brown. Uh, Joanna, do you want to just uh, maybe give all of our viewers a sense of uh, of you know who you are and what you do and and what you like to write? Yeah, sure. Uh, so as J.F. Penn, I write uh, thrillers. I've got an action-adventure series which uh, focuses, I guess, around a sort of religious-slash-supernatural theme. I, I always write about demons. I just can't help it. So pretty much I have demons and everything. And then I have another series which is uh, called the London Psychic series, where I, which is pretty dark and uh, have kind of murder mysteries and I have a British detective uh, at, who has a, a psychic sidekick as such and uh, solve sort of uh, gory mysteries in that way so uh, that's my JF Penn and then Joanna Penn as happy bubbly uh, uh, me is um, uh, the Creative Pen, which is a site for authors, and I, uh, I'm a professional speaker, and I have a podcast as well, which uh, you, you know we've uh, we've talked about before. And uh, yeah, I guess that that's me really. I, I do ha- very definitely have sides. And what's funny, as you know, as you guys know, um, there will be people who like our authory side, uh, our chatty about author stuff, and people who are not interested in our fiction whatsoever. <laughs> So it's great to be on um, a horror show uh, because I, you know, I, I feel I'm uh, that side of me is pretty dark these days. Our show is definitely horrifying, but I don't know if it's in a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You know, you never know what you're going to get with Richard and I. So uh, hopefully, it'll be appealing hey, to, it's Rich to Brown authors tonight. as well. Oh, it is Rich Brown. It's, it's been it is changed. Rich okay. Brown, not Richard. <laughs> Rich Brown is the thriller author. 
Ah. Richard, Richard oh. is the guy who writes that zombie stuff. Okay. We'll just call him R. Yeah, R. Brown. <laughs> so, Jana, I, one of the things I'm really interested in, because I this is not an experience I will ever have, uh, you write... You write fairly dark fiction, and I, th- <laughs> I think it's a, uh, it's 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 not it's more uncommon, I think, for women to write darker fiction than for men. At least that's the per- the perception. So, I wonder if you could talk about that for a few minutes. I think it's the perception because a lot of women write with men's names, oh. and with initials. So generally, if you see an author with initials, they're likely to be female, <laughs> although I know you use J, but well, often... I mean, it, it fits see... for him. <laughs> but you will see, you know, people who use, um, uh, you know, names that could be construed construed in a different <laughs> way. So, for example, I recently interviewed Val McDermott, who is a British crime writer, pretty dark. Val can be taken as male or female, really. Um, Mo Hader, I don't know if you know Mo Hader's work. Mo, again, it's kind of one of those names that could be construed either way, but she's definitely a woman. In Britain, we have a very big, uh, dark kind of crime scene where most of the writers are women. Um, so it's, I think, I, th- I know what you mean in that the sort of well-known horror writers are generally men, but I think that probably there's a lot more women uh, certainly in the crime area in that you know a lot of suspense could be called horror um, and then I guess also you're thinking now of the paranormal stuff there's obviously paranormal romance but a lot of that crosses over into you know paranormal stroke horror so I, I find it fascinating that in this market in this in the in, on the internet as well you can basically be whoever you want to be but I will say that I did go with JF Penn, partly because I wanted to separate my brands from my nonfiction, but also because I wanted to be gender neutral um, with my author name. Now, if you go to my website, jfpenn.com, my face is there and I'm clearly a woman, but I prefer my books, you know, to look gender neutral. And my audience is certainly 50-50, I would say, but probably more men than a lot of female authors might expect in their audience but I also write action adventure and I blow stuff up all the time you know so so um, but yeah I, I some of my earliest reviews were when I wrote under Joanna were said things like I'm surprised that a woman would write this and I just decided you know I'm a feminist so I believe that women should do whatever they want but one of my kind of feminist moves is choosing the name that means I don't have to <laughs> justify it all the time <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, do you, I mean, do you think people just naturally assume that women by their nature are are less violent or they're they're kinder and so they're surprised by by that? Uh, I think it's it's this ridiculous publishing industry thing actually where it's it's that's what's been assumed. Um, and probably women have had a tougher time getting published in those areas. And obviously, men writing romance have had the same issue. Mm-hmm. There was a, a guy, uh, I think his name was Jessica something. Anyway, came out as this 85-year-old guy who's been writing romances for 30 years. You know, as Jessica someone. And, you know, he'd, he had struggled with the same thing. So he had gone with a female name and become a best-selling romance author. So I think the publishing industry has caused gender balance issues over time. Uh, 
But I mean, if you think I know you're interested in witchcraft, Jay, and you know the Salem stuff, women and witchcraft, you know, women and pagan stuff, and you know, women have always been involved in the supernatural and um, that type of thing. Sure, there are very, you know, the serial killer thing particularly is definitely a male domain in terms of who commits most serial murders, it's, it's guys, and of course who inflicts most violence, it's generally guys. But in terms of the paranormal, supernatural side of, of horror, um, and certainly crime, as I said, uh, a, lot of fem- a lot of women write crime, uh, write crime books too, and like, I, kill, I mostly have women killing men in my books. So, you know, it's kind of addressing the, the gender balance. Yeah. Uh, in, in your, you know, your books too, you've, um, and you've kind of said, uh, I think we may have talked about it on your podcast. You said you were sort of trending towards writing darker stories and you were, you were trying to convince your editor to kind of follow you along. Uh, what's, what's sort of been your, your career trajectory as a writer of fiction? Sort of how did you start writing a certain type of story and, and sort of where are you headed now? Yeah, so I think all of us, when we first start writing fiction, we were very influenced by the books that we love. So when I, um, when I first got the idea to write a, a novel, I wanted to, let's use the word model, um, James Rollins. And, um, you know, I've got a degree in theology, so it's always going to have a religious angle. And, you know, Dan Brown was super popular. So I was going to write, you know, I was always going to write this kind of, religious action adventure book but James Rollins books the Sigma series uh, sort of showed me a way that I could start a series book so I started with the Arcane um, Agency which is this kind of supernatural investigation agency that has its base under Trafalgar Square in London and they investigate supernatural mysteries around the world so when I first wrote that I was like I'm going to be an action adventure author and the religion, supernatural, darker side was a secondary thought. Um, but then with Prophecy, my second book, um, I, the idea was kind of sparked by the Devil's Bible, which is a real Bible. It's got a picture of the devil in and supposedly the priest made a deal with the devil and wrote, uh, you know, wrote this manuscript in one night. And this book exists. And, and so I um, spun a story about that. And that one, that one ended up, with child, ritual child sacrifice and um, you know that was pretty nasty and and then the next one you know had ritual sex in a tomb and you know I just thought it, it's amazing what comes out of our brains isn't it you know <laughs> I've never done these type of things ritual um, sex in a tomb I know um, you know and it was a woman raping a young man basically <laughs> so it wasn't it, it was a dream woman, yeah killing the guy so you know very um but then you know i'm a stephen king fan i'm you know I, so these aspects of horror are coming in and then in exodus you know this kind of theme continued and desecration you could tell by the title i get <laughs> corpse art and you know genetic monsters and and um i think I think it's just the stuff I'm interested in and I've always been fascinated with, with death and my favourite <laughs> blog is Morbid Anatomy. Don't, I don't know if you know Morbid Anatomy. I've got like their, um, I've got their anthology right here by my desk. It's got um, the anatomical <laughs> Venus on. <laughs> um, I mean, I could do, you know, I could go on and on and on. Like I went to um, 
went to an event called Death Drawing. So they actually have live models, but they're 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 naked, but they look as if they've been killed. <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of draw them, and like, these are things I find interesting. So. Um, I think Stephen King says it best, you know, people ask him, why do you write what you do? And he says, what makes you think I have a choice? <laughs> <laughs> but what about you guys, you know? I had a scene in my, my first thriller that was like a ritual sex thing. Like, it was like this giant orgy on stage. Because <laughs> uh, the main, the villain was like this illusionist. And he, he wasn't, he didn't really have like magical powers, but he would kind of you know get in people's heads and make them think he did so they would do these weird like ritualistic kind of sex things on stage for people and but but people would end up dying like during it so they would end up like having sex with corpses and stuff okay so I i'm haven't sure a lot that. of people i'm sure a lot of people read that and they were like what the hell's wrong with this guy <laughs> what about you jay uh yeah i've had uh I've had some demon rape scenes, <laughs> so I I don't know how that, you know, ritualistic sex on an altar or corpse sex, corpse orgies, I don't know how that all fits in there somewhere, but uh, yeah, I, you know, and, I, and like serious follow-up though, like have you gotten reviews or emails about some of those scenes that you write, either of you guys, uh, like do you, have you, anyone ever written you and said like, you know, you're you're sick, like you need help, <laughs> or one star your book because of it. Um, when, no, I, I mean, I struggle with the um, very Christian crowd because uh, I, walk, uh, I walk a line. I'm not a Christian, but I have a degree in theology, and I know a lot. I've read the Bible in, you know, in the New Testament in Greek, and I've studied all this stuff, and so I bring in a lot of religious history, and I use the Bible a lot in my books, you know, Revelation and, and all this stuff. And so I actually get feedback from, you know, I've had people say about my book Pentecost, um, this this is not truth, you know, the Pentecost <laughs> stones are not biblical. And I'm like, well, no, it says in the book, this is fiction. And whatever you believe the Bible is, I'm, I'm saying this is fiction, you know. Um, and, and then the only other things I get are, um, is this a clean podcast or? No. It can, no. Yeah, okay. no, well, no. The only, <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I've used the word fuck in my book, I get comments about that. So now it's crazy. I can include ri like ritual murder of a child mm. in a demonic, you know, setting, <laughs> but I can't say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so now I just don't. So now I don't use the F word mm. because then I won't get one star reviews, but I carry on with the rest of it. <laughs> I have that same problem in my zombie stuff. People will like leave me a one star saying it's too gory. Hmm. Or, or the, like, there's one guy, he really loved the series, but in the second book, there's, like, a sex scene. And he, like, he, like, one-starred me because, of, just because of the sex scene. Zombie like, sex? No, it wasn't zombie. It's was just a normal <laughs> sex scene. Like, I couldn't between, say. I didn't know. But, like, I mean, there's, there's tons of, of murder. There's tons of violent scenes. There's scenes of torture. And the thing that got him was the sex scene. Like, that's what bothered you? Like, it's kind of weird that people don't, aren't bothered by all the violence, but they're bothered hmm. by a sex. But that's Americans, right? Yeah, well, yeah, it's definitely yeah. Americans. <laughs> Americans struggle with sex. <laughs> I don't know why. Like a boob pops out on TV, like, and it's like the biggest <laughs> thing. But you can have tons of murder on TV, and it's no big deal. 
No, exactly. But um, have you read Hugh Howey's Eye Zombie? That's, that's, one, that's one. the one where like the main character is a zombie, right? <laughs> they're all they're, there's a whole load of them, but it's it's <laughs> he puts a warning on it. He's like, if you like all my other books, don't bother reading this one. <laughs> but it's actually really good. It's very a good you know a really different kind of zombie book, and I really enjoyed World War Z as well, or World War Z, I guess you'd call it. Mm. Well, yeah. you know the 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 warning is an interesting concept too because, uh, like like you, Joanna, I have a, a book where it's a it's an apocalyptic story, uh, and the bad guys, the quote-unquote bad guys, are the Catholic Church, mm. and they they take over, and people <laughs> kill me on that. And they're like, "Oh, is that the is one not... that's like really poorly reviewed?" You have, yeah, and and it's like, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I, I it's fiction. I, I I did that on purpose. Like, I'm not. That's not my point. Is to say, like, the Catholic Church would never do this. It's fiction, and I even put a big disclaimer on there that says, like, if you are if you are a really serious Christian or like you would be offended by acts of violence committed by the Catholic Church, don't read this. And I still get reviews saying. Well, it's interesting because I, I'm actually going to be campaigning for a new category on Amazon, which is going to be religious thriller. Because as far as I can see, I can't rank in Christian uh, fiction because I'm not a Christian and I'm not writing for Christians um, you know I can't be in inspirational because it's clearly not inspirational I don't feel most it's not occult enough to fit in occult or horror um, for me the best category would be religious thriller so Dan Brown is a classic example mm. and a lot of James Rollins stuff it's and what you're saying your book it relates to religion but it's not Christian or right. say I, wa I want to write a book called um, well, I haven't really decided the title, but about Nataraja, the Indian um, uh, Shiva, you know, one of the manifestations of Shiva, which will be set in India, which will be Hinduism. Where am I going to put that? That is a religious thriller that's clearly not Christian. So I, I actually think we need a new category for books like that, that fall through a gap of people who are interested in religion, supernatural, but there's no vampires or zombies. It's actually, you know, real human stuff with demons maybe but you know what i mean it's not fantasy Demon sex. yeah i feel like there's I, I feel like there's a missing category and at the moment well, i'm calling it religious thriller i don't know what else to call it yeah because there's a lot of christian thillers that are you know they're they're they are very christian they they, they don't say yeah like words. the left they behind don't. series yeah, yeah like they're still behind, thrillers yeah. like you don't really want to put it in the same category as that because no. it's very different exactly. <laughs> but then you don't want it to be like horror because it's not really horror either so it's kind of yeah, I know what you mean, but I don't know what you would call call that, but they, they probably do need a new category for that. Yeah, so well, that's they, definitely going to go on that tack. <laughs> I was going to say, if they have a like a Hindu thriller category, you'll there own you it. Yeah. You'll literally own it. You'll She'll be, be the only, only book there. there. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. Well, the, the crazy thing is, like, I've been re reading up on that we haven't had the influx of Indian thriller writers yet, but they are there. When I was in India... Mm -hmm last year in Kerala I picked up a couple at the bookstore and you know it's like the Indian Dan Brown guy has sold millions of copies of his religious thrillers and he fits squarely in a religious thriller category but, but a lot of them are about Hindu stuff <laughs> so you know I think I think what we're going to see with Amazon and you know talking about more of a global shift in the market is these types of country you know Amazon KDP has opened up to Indian authors now 
they must be feeling this. Like, where is the category for Hindu yeah. thriller or Hindu yeah. romance or Muslim romance or, you know, where are where are these categories for a non-Western audience? I don't know. What do you think? What categories is is Dan Brown stuff in? Do you know? It looks well, like it's just in crime and regular yeah, thrillers. Such a big seller. It doesn't really yeah. count. You yeah. know, he could be in fiction and still be in number one. Like I remember when the, when the Da Vinci Code and, and whatnot took off, he, he got a lot of crap from the religious people, too. Well, that's why, because the Vatican banned it. Which but... is good, though. I mean, it really helped. I think it helped his sales out so much. Well, they don't do it anymore. That's what, that's what you would want. It's like the Marilyn Manson thing, you know, where they used to, like, protest and stuff. It just gave him more attention and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's a you know that's a a really interesting thought uh, in in sort of how the global marketplace is is shifting and when these authors who live in other countries have access same access to KDP, you know what are we going to see, mm. and and that that could be a real area of growth uh, for someone who's really ambitious and maybe bilingual, mm. and can kind of take advantage of some of those because they wouldn't have the translation costs and and that sort of thing that say an English only speaker would. Yeah, it's not really easy for us to get. Uh, do you have any of your books uh, translated? Uh, yeah, German? I have uh, two German, uh, Spanish, Italian, a uh, couple more coming in German and Italian and Spanish, and one in Portuguese coming as well. Um, well, I've only just started. So, okay. uh, but interestingly, I mean, Germany is the next big market, so that's mm -hmm. why a lot of us are doing German now. Um, the Spanish one, it hopefully will, you know, I think Spanish could be the next one after Germany. Germany is a very big market and they're about to kind of tick over to ebooks. Um, but Spanish in the US, of course, is the second biggest language in the US. And the Spanish, because it's a different socioeconomic demographic, but I think that as that demographic moves into ebooks, we're going to see um, Spanish selling a lot more in America. Too um, in the ebook format, and um, so I'm very excited about Spanish. Portuguese, of course, Brazil is possibly the next big one after Germany. Uh, and my Portuguese translator, uh, and I do 50 50 royalty splits with translators, uh, he wants my Arcane series because, of course, Brazil is um, a religious Catholic country and he's interested in the religious thriller so again we need a religious thriller category for countries like Brazil where they are fascinated with that stuff and again with the Spanish audience too uh, my Spanish translator is a Christian and she wanted to do Pentecost uh, she wanted to make sure that it, it wasn't offensive to her Christian kind of friends but she liked it because it included stuff that was interesting um, so you know, I guess that's another kind of cross-cultural thing. You, you, you know, I may find my ideal market in a Catholic country, basically, which is not America and it's certainly not Britain. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. What uh, did you use uh, Babel Cube, or did you solicit uh, translators directly through some third-party service, um, or? No, this is, it's kind of a platform thing. You know, I just started. Oh saying on my podcast and my blog, hey, I think I'm going to do translations. If you're interested, you could just email me and we'll go from there. And the word, what's happening again in the market is um, translators have been treated very badly for many years. They've been similar to a ghostwriter, I suppose. If you think about, essentially, you do the work, you get paid, and you get treated like shit. 
because yeah. your work is considered the author is the important one you're just the whatever but actually a translator as I've discovered is your creative partner so I'm you know their their voice is just as important as your voice and they will, how they translate will really impact how the book sounds. So I have two German translators, one who's done Pentecost and one who's done Desecration. Very, very, my, that's, I don't sound like me across those books. They're, they're two different books. Mm. Um, so it's very interesting how that goes. So why I do a 50-50 split is because I believe the translator is incentivized to do a really good job and also help with the marketing, yes. um, which I can't do in another language. So um, that's, that's kind of why I'm doing it that way. I, Babel Cube has a, a model where they publish the books for you and the rights are, you know, if you read their small print, it's not something I'm happy going with at the moment, at least with yeah. fiction. Um, Possibly with non-fiction, but I'm actually, I've just got a German translator for how to market a book, which because Germany is about to take off with the whole self-publishing mm -hmm. thing, will probably sell quite well there. Um, so I think it's something for indies to think about, but I, I will tell you from my experience of the last six months, it's probably bleeding edge, as in it takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and at the moment, I certainly haven't earned enough money to make it worthwhile, but it's a longer-term game, I suppose. Yeah, I have a, a related question to that. Um, when you say the bleeding edge, and sort of that's that's where you know the, your your payoff is still uncertain. You're kind of taking a risk, a little bit of a risk there. And uh, I was listening to the interview you did with Sean Platt uh, recently. Was that this week or last week? And He's always him and Johnny both and, and Dave to some extent always say like hey d you know don't do what we did <laughs> like don't don't follow our path uh, I, I'm wondering if there are things you've done a, as a, as a writer uh, that worked for you but you would not recommend to other writers. Uh, well, I think right now this translation thing, if I had known what I know now six months ago, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. But actually. What I'm, it, I said I wouldn't, wouldn't sign any more translators because, because of that. But what's happening now is I'm actually starting to see some sales in Germany. And it looks like we might be picked up for a promo in Spain. And, and I'm just like, do you know what? There's a, and then, then I got the, oh, I haven't got it to hand, but I got the Italian print version of Desecration. It's called Profanazione. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I'm like... This is really cool. This is I love this. <laughs> showed, showed it to my husband. I was like, "Look, it's in Italian," <laughs> and that that's really cool. So, I don't, although I I would say take, be really careful and you know, but I can't say don't do it. What I'm I haven't blogged about the experience yet because I want to let it settle because I've been a bit emotional about it and a bit tired. Um, but I want to actually have some figures. So in six months' time, I will blog about my reflections on translation in general. Um, but other things, I tell you what, the, probably the biggest thing for me, uh, m many people don't realize, but I, I, was just, I started this whole thing. Um, and in fact, the, the three books I wrote first don't exist anymore. So I withdrew them from the market. So. Um, We've done classic, something similar. <laughs> yeah, a classic case of, um, you know, just not 
good stuff. <laughs> um, so I withdrew them. But what happened is I built my platform, obviously, the Creative Pen. I had originally thought my business model was going to be around blogging, professional speaking, um, selling products. Uh, I was going to be like copy blogger or, um, you know, one of these blogging sites or like um, The Right Life, uh, you know, blog or other others of these blogs where you're kind of providing services because I didn't have the confidence in my writing. And then, of course, I started writing fiction and now what's happened to me is I have these two quite separate brands and it's very difficult to do both. Uh, and the, the struggle with my time, you know, it's, it's a constant weighing up of, of what to do. So I would say the, the best advice, like do, don't do what I've done is don't build up a nonfiction platform unless you have a business model for it. So that would even apply to you guys would be like, unless you're going to write a book on how to write horror <laughs> or how to market horror, this, this will be a difficult thing to monetize. Um, if monetization is important to you, maybe it's not. Um, but what I found is that I, I mean, I want to keep writing nonfiction. I want to keep speaking, but the creative pen has its business model separately to JF Pen and JF Pen makes income from books, <laughs> ebooks, uh, print books and audiobooks. That's how JF Pen makes money, selling those to happy readers. So when I think about what I need to spend my time on, that's, you know, that's my primary thing and then things like professional speaking which totally kills me as an introvert, um, but I, I enjoy it but it totally kills me. Uh, I need to do less of. So that's probably the biggest thing. Like really decide what audience you want to attract and then and how you're going to have a business model around that and then, uh, you know, go about it that way. Which is why I wrote Business for Authors, my latest nonfiction, was nice to try plug. and explain that. Yeah. Sorry. What? I said you had to plug your book in there. I mean. Yeah, I had to. Well, we have like 34 subscribers, so you never know. You, know, <laughs> you could get like 34 sales you know, just in the next five minutes <laughs> well but, but i'm but that's the thing when i i write non-fiction to learn what i want to learn you know i that's why i write non-fiction it's because i need to know it myself so in writing that book i actually solidified what my business model is and my strategy for the next couple of years uh, and how I'm going to change things, um, that was important to work through. And I hadn't really work, worked through that until I wrote that book. <laughs> yeah, because I noticed too, like you're moving away from developing courses, you know, courseware and, and that sort of stuff, which is something you've been doing for a long time. So you're clearly making a conscious decision to kind of steer the ship towards the fiction side. Would, would that be an accurate statement? Yeah, definitely. And the big, the big realization here, and you guys know, when you write a story, it lasts hopefully forever, hopefully at yeah. least our lifetimes. And for your, you know, you have kids, you know, maybe your kids can earn money from it. Like I'm reading, um, rereading Stephen King's It at the moment. And, you know, that book is what, early 80s, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm reading it now and there's a few things that date it like traveler's checks. I mean, I was like, traveler's yeah. checks? Wow, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> or, you know, the lack of cell phones and stuff. But generally that story stands, that story will stand 
for a very long time. And so you think that he's still earning money off that. He's still earning money off Carrie. He, you know, whereas a course, if you if you do a video course and you put that time, so that it takes a lot of work to do that stuff. You put money into it within a year, possibly even less. It's obsolete, especially if it involves any kind of technology. Um, also, you change. So the courses that I made even a year ago, things have really changed for me. So you know, I've, I'm a different person and I don't want to put stuff out there that's disingenuous in any way. Um, so that's why for me, I'm focusing more on books and uh, fiction and even the non-fiction, you know, and my next year. And also, this is the other thing about, I, I want to, almost, well, I think I've got more confidence as well in terms of my writing. I feel now, I, why can't I make more of my income from fiction like other people are um, so I'm going hard you know I'm going really hard in fiction the next year well that that's really helpful for me uh, I, I really appreciate hearing that because I'm kind of at a at a place now where I've started to dabble a little bit in into that nonfiction side and I've done it very reluctantly for that same reason you know mm -hmm. doing like speaking engagements or building courses I'm doing a little bit of both of those right now, but I, even in the middle of building it, I'm thinking like, wow, a year from now, I don't know how relevant this is going to be. Yet my mm. books are always going to be there. So it, that's that's a that's quite a revelation. Well, I would I would say writing like I've just updated how to market a book. So with a book, like if you if you guys co-wrote or wrote separately or whatever, you know how to write and market a thriller novel, that can be updated far more easily than a video course or, you know, like the Udemy, everyone's jumping on Udemy at the moment and, and I'm, I'm wondering whether to put my final, what I have left of my courses up there. But even the, the diff, you know, the pain, the time in making things into a format and putting stuff somewhere, I'm like, really, do I want to do that? And this is the other, this is the other thing we've got to think is what, this is we're designing a life here we're not designing another job so yeah. if, if it's not <laughs> making you like wow this is really cool then don't bother and we all do plenty to you know i do a lot to help people so do you guys we can do that but we need to focus on what we love as well oh that's such a great distinction uh, i think for any for any writer really like finding looking very closely and honestly at what you do and figuring out what is what is job like or what is a chore versus what do you love to do and you clearly should be doing more of the latter mm. uh, i think social media plays into that i think uh, <laughs> a lot of authors myself included <laughs> i've been very vocal about it i'm so torn because mm. so much of social media for me feels like work and and it's when it's not enjoyable uh, it's hard to keep motivated to do that. I mean, wh what's your approach on some of the more mundane or nuts and bolts things you have to do as an author? Uh, I just want to check with Richard. <laughs> did you have anything you wanted to say? <laughs> uh, did I? I think I did, and then Jay started talking again, and I forgot. Yeah. Did you, what do you think about the, you know, what should you do with your... Kind of author I, I think a lot of authors they get distracted by all this other stuff. I know when I f first got in, yep. like I think 2011, it was all about blogging, and you had to have a blog. And and I I think it's just come back to spend most. If if you want to write fiction and that's what you want to do, you should be spending 95 percent of your time doing that. You know, like Jay said, the social media. If you don't really enjoy it, it's not going to come off as very honest anyway. 
Uh, mm. It's like people who just tweet their book all day long. That doesn't work. <laughs> you have to actually really want to engage with people. And if, if you don't, you probably should spend less time doing that and spend more time writing your books because it seems like if you can get a, a book out every few months now, I mean, you can you can go places. Uh, so and that and, and a lot of times authors, you know, they'll they'll write that one book and then they'll spend a year marketing and stuff. And really, it always comes back to, to sitting there and doing the writing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I had my ass kicked uh, a few months ago. I met someone who said to me, oh, my book, one of my books is dedicated to you because you changed my life like a few years ago and I started self-publishing and, uh, and now I'm earning like 250 grand and I'm <laughs> doing all this stuff and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's great because I earn a decent living. But, you know, what, what he had basically done is just run with it and, yeah. you know, just write lots and lots of books. I mean, we've, heard, we've all heard these stories and... So I've really been, I'm moving on to the mindset side of things at the moment and really thinking like, why, what's been my problem? Why haven't I done this? And I like helping people, sure, but the other, I really feel it's been a confidence. And I've talked to you about this, Jay. I've been self-censoring my, my own creativity because it's not fitted with my kind of happy, girl, nice girl image. Um, so these are things that I'm really facing up to and um, I've also been doing some Dean Wesley Smith courses because mm -hmm. Dean is Dean and Chris Rush, his wife. They are they're like my fairy godparents. You know, they're amazing. And I I've just done Dean's productivity course, and since finishing it, I've written like fifty thousand words in in what a couple of weeks. So just really you know, coming back to those fundamentals. Um, and then in terms of like social media, I love Twitter. Twitter, I reckon changed my life from somebody who knew nobody who was stuck in Australia wondering what the hell to do was really miserable in my job and meeting people on Twitter and blogging and podcasting changed my life but that's my journey and you know I still blog and podcast and I still love Twitter but for example I don't like Facebook so every month I want to pluck up enough courage to just chuck it in and every month I go, oh, don't think I can chuck it in, <laughs> you know, and then I, but I'm certainly cu cutting down my blogging very much on the creative pen. I'm focusing more like I'm an active member of ITW, the, uh, ITW, the uh, International Thriller Writers, you know, focusing more on that side of things. And so again, we're all on this journey, aren't we? We're all on a path. And as we figure stuff out, we move on to the next thing. Yeah. Well, it's different than it, you know, it used to be now with self-publishing, you, you really have to be the marketer. You have to be everything. Whereas, yeah. you know, I think we all in our minds years ago, we just dreamed to be in that author that just writes and, and we don't have to worry about any of that other stuff. But nowadays, you know, we kind of do have to, to think about all the other things that, that, that normally those, you know, those big authors wouldn't have to worry about. Well, I mean, I love, I love the marketing side too. I love, I love blogging. I love podcasting. I love Twitter. Most you know, authors don't though. They want to be just introverts and not have to do that. But I don't, I actually think that they often have gone about it the wrong way mm -hmm. in that you do things that you enjoy. So Pinterest, for example, I use Pinterest for board, you know, I do different boards per book and 
Pinterest is very cool. You know, if you double down on Pinterest, you never have to speak to anyone or do anything. Um, you know, you can, and you can go very hard on Pinterest and it's proven to be the most convertible into sales social media platform there is. Um, uh, I'm really considering for my fiction side, getting into um, video, like doing YouTube video because it would stand out and also... No, as in vlogging, like oh, okay. really proper, like, a video like today. Kind of so thing. today I wrote, um, I wrote a scene, and it, um, it reflecting on what I've just written. So I've just written a scene where I was scuba diving, or my character, my character was scuba diving in the Dead Sea in Israel. Now, when I had the idea of putting, you know, this thing under the, under the Dead Sea where Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, apparently where I wanted to go scuba diving down there. I didn't even know you could do it because of the salt concentration and the buoyancy thing. And then so I went and researched it and I'm a, I'm a scuba diver, I'm a dive master. So now I know I can go scuba dive in the Dead Sea. So I'm, my enthusiasm over this idea is something that I could have easily done a three minute video on that, who knows, you know, that's marketing, it's quite fun, it's very quick. Not well, a just, big deal. It also helps you connect with, you know, readers. I mean, you could put like links to the videos at the back of your books and after yeah. they finish reading it, they could go check out your videos. So yeah. it gets well, more of that. a personal connection with you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And at the moment I do that to Pinterest and I do it to SlideShare. Um, I make, and I have got a couple of research videos, but this would be a more constant kind of thing. So, you know, I think we've all got to consider what works with our personality. And I'm an right. introvert too. And I mean, you guys know most of this video. I mean, we're just sitting here, the, the three of us. And if I'm doing it myself, I'm here on my own. It's not exactly a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I think the key is you just have to enjoy what you're doing. I mean, don't do something that you really hate, you know, hmm. because... I mean, like I, I, mean, I do this podcast, and I don't, you know, I kind of hate doing this podcast. But <laughs> Jay makes me do it, but other than that, I try not to to spend too much time doing things that I really hate doing. Because I mean, the social media stuff, uh, it works, but I don't think it works as much as most people think it does. Well, it depends what you use it for. So Twitter, like I met Jay on Twitter, I think, or I somehow. Think so. Yeah, maybe. Or, or if we didn't meet on Twitter, I met you because I met, or you know Jim Kukrol, and I met Jim on Twitter. Um, so for me, Twitter is about connecting with a peer network. Um, all my, I've never pitched for a speaking gig. All of my speaking work internationally has come from Twitter. Um, I'll be speaking in Charleston in America um, in March, so that's cool. Um, Frankfurt and Stockholm, where I've been recently, all has come from Twitter relationships. Um, some of the best opportunities for my author self have come through Twitter. The New York Times USA Today thing earlier this year, that was due to a Twitter relationship. Um, my agent, my New York agent, who I split up with, don't have her anymore, but you know that came from Twitter. Like so many things, serendipity or synchronicity or whatever, come from social media that's how i use it it's more about relationships than it is about sales and you just never know where those things will lead yeah i focus more on on developing networking relationships with other authors and stuff than i do actually trying mm. to reach readers and stuff through them i think yeah, trying to reach readers through them is very difficult yeah but the way you're doing it is, is the way i try to do it yeah exactly and that and it's fun that way you know it's really fun it, yeah, I'm I'm about to double down on Pinterest myself because ah. I find that's a that's a platform that I enjoy 
participate. Like genuinely, I really like it, and so I'm starting <laughs> to because it's graphic based, and I, I'm and I love Im the imagery around art. I just I've always been drawn to that. Like I was the guy that would pop in the new record and then like look at all the liner notes and like look at the album art. Like that's that's really important to me, and I. I kind of feel like Pinterest has. Were that, you so. angry when they didn't have the lyrics? You know how when back in the day you always wanted the album to have the lyrics, and then the bands wouldn't put them in there. You just be like, Rah! no. As long as, as long as they had a nice like open like two page spread art inside, then I was cool. It didn't matter if I had lyrics Ooh. or not. Well, there you go. I mean that that's a brilliant way to connect with people. You know that visual side. I mean, I I find Pinterest pretty addictive when I go on there. Yeah. Like ta tattoos. Oh my goodness, we went to the uh, International Tattoo Convention a few weeks ago and because um, I'm going to be writing about a lot more tattooing stuff and I really want a tattoo, but can I decide what I want? No, I can't. And, you know, so when you go on Pinterest and you start looking at tattoos, you could just be there forever. Yes, yes, I, I agree. Do you guys have tattoos? We got Horror Riders podcast tattoos. <laughs> They're matching, one on each yeah. butt cheek. So when we stand next to each other naked, they match. Now that is disturbing. It's the only way, we, <laughs> it's the only way we're willing Ouch. to take this seriously is we, we had to get tattoos. <laughs> oh, it's going to be painful. hard getting them removed when the, sh when the show dies in probably a couple of weeks. <laughs> Couple weeks. I was like a couple hours after this broadcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, what are you saying? You're saying Joanna's not a good guest? I'm saying when the when the YouTube censors get a get a, a demon rape and corpse sex uh, oh, filter that, coming on, true. we're in trouble. Hey, I got necrophilia, right? So. Yeah, I never had any corpse sex. That was that was rich. That was. Yeah, I never had any demon rape either. I have caught. I didn't have that either. <laughs> that was Jay. I have caught art. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Just so we had that all cleared up. Great. Hey, I, un I unpublished that book, and now I'm totally redoing it, so there's no, no more necrophilia scene. <laughs> well, Joanne, I know, uh, you know we're getting close to uh, our, our time limit, and we're very, very uh, grateful you came on. I was wondering if you wanted to take a minute and tell people what's new in your world of fiction, what's out, what oh, do you yeah. have coming out, that sort of stuff. Oh, yes. So I have right now, brand new, um, a box set called Dark Trinity, which uh, for Halloween, it's, yes. uh, it's, got, it's kind of got the demons and the religious thriller angle. It's got my book Prophecy. Um, oh, she says she hasn't got it in front of her. Dark Rites, which is a book by David Wooden and Alan Baxter, which is uh, surprisingly a kind of demonic thing. Um, and then Burnt Offerings by Michael Lister, uh, which is a kind of yeah religious occult thriller. So that is Dark Trinity, available now on uh, Amazon. And then for the authors in the room, we have the uh, indie author Power Pack, which is very exciting new deal out now on all the ebook platforms, um, which is my book, How to Market a Book, uh, Johnny B. Truen and Sean Platt's Write, Publish, Repeat, and David Gochran's um, Let's Get Digital, the, rewrite, the rewritten version. Um, so, and that is at 99 cents, so that is in, an incredible deal. Uh, available now, the indie author power pack. So yes, lots going on indeed. And that's and available my, everywhere. Yeah, that's available everywhere, and that's like a sneak preview. That'll be on my blog tomorrow, and we'll, we're starting the um, the march on on that. Uh, and and also, I'm writing my my the book I'm writing right now is Gates of Hell, 
which is my <laughs> <laughs> my arcade next arcade. It's not gonna be demonic at all. I'm surprised. surprised <laughs> title like that. Demons in it. See if you can get some demon rape in there. <laughs> well, really, <laughs> some sacrifice. There'll certainly be some ritual yeah. sacrifice. Um, but yeah, the, you know that's cool. If you like demons in your novels, then um, yeah, I have a few. <laughs> Very cool, and I think we're both part of the the upcoming uh, Somewhere Book Show March to a Bestseller Two promotion. Yes, so that will be our indie author power pack is in that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, what have what have you got in that? I have a a, a formatting title in there uh, oh. called Formatting Your Ebook, and I'm gonna spend some time on the Facebook page that day answering uh, questions and helping people troubleshoot formatting issues they're they're having. Or people could come and talk to us about demons and horror. <laughs> Or that. <laughs> That's what I'll be there. I'll, be, I'll yeah. be there asking questions. That might be more fun than like, formatting. I'm, I'm, I'm blocking Richard, though. I'm going to block him from the event. <laughs> like, which book and what page is this scene on? Because I want to read that. <laughs> I, I actually think people might come more for our, our kind of fiction chat than ebook formatting questions. It's or like book an all-day so. thing, right? Yeah, let's have some fun. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if I have to answer formatting questions the whole time, I'm going to be really disappointed. Well, I'll come on and ask you some demonic questions. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'll do the same for you. Let's make a pinky swear, okay? Yeah. Well, <laughs> as long as you're not on at some ridiculous time since I'm in the UK. Oh, yeah. You're probably, you'll probably be sleeping when I'm on. I think I'm coming on later in the day, probably like oh, 7 okay. or 8 Eastern, so you'll yeah, be asleep. I'll be asleep. <laughs> this, I'm gonna... this dark writer goes to bed at like half past 9. <laughs> So does he. It's like nine and he's going to bed. See, it's not just me, Richard. Oh, no, I need my, uh, I need my sleep. I write all my demonic stuff in the mornings, really. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. You look like a night guy, Richard, with your sunglasses. I, I, I always was. I, I just finally switched the last couple of weeks. I've been waking up early. But I, 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 it seems to always go back to me staying up all night and writing during the night just because... I've just been doing it that way since I was a kid, pretty much. Oh, oh well, look, it's been great to be on the show, guys. And, um, yeah, it's been fun, fun to hang out. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been great. Thanks for having us. Uh, we'll put all of the links to Joanna's <laughs> stuff in the show notes in case you were wondering. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Got, You're like uh, that. Horror Writers Podcast. Yeah, Horror Writers Podcast. Thanks for having us. On our own oh, show. Are you holding the book uh, up again? Yeah, I got to give our readers a reminder that we're doing the Stephen King Pet Cemetery sort of virtual book club thingy. So if you want to read this, we're going to be doing a show on it uh, sometime at the end of November. Uh, send us questions or comments and we'll, we'll share them during the show. So that's uh, just a reminder there. And of course, don't forget to go to iTunes and write us a review or like us on Facebook. Otherwise, Richard will cry because he needs validation. I think we still have the one review. We got I a second review on iTunes. Do we? My podcast. We got a Not second fun. review? We did get a second review on iTunes. Oh. Thank you. I can't wait till we start getting really bad reviews. Because I don't know if you saw that self-publishing podcast where they, they went and read their bad reviews on, yes. like, on air. That was like one of their funniest episodes because they were just like cracking up at their bad reviews. <laughs> and I'm like, it was, it's right. just nice that they can, uh, you know, just not care and just be like, whatever, you know. And not, not no, take it I'm so sure seriously, they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on, Joanna. Everyone, this is episode 14 of the Horror Writers Podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Horror Writers Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Do it. Do it now. What are you waiting for? Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter.